MSW Media. News was wearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 1st, 2021. Today, a hospital employee admits to spoiling over 500 doses of the COVID vaccine. Senator Perdue is in quarantine, having been exposed to the coronavirus. The Commerce Department misses its deadline to hand over census results. Trump returns to the White House after ghosting his Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve gala. John Ossoff hands Fox News their ass. And a Georgia judge walks back her decision on 4,000 voters being purged from the rolls. Oh, and by the way, B-52 bombers have been sent to Iran for a third time in two months. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, Happy New Year. I'm joined by Amy Carrero. Happy New Year, Amy. Happy New Year. Wow, it feels a lot like 2020, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, see, that's just it. Uh, Because we record the show the night before, uh, it's still 2020 here. But you're listening to this in 2021. So congratulations. Oh, man. Congratulations. And I really hope that like we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll you and I will be listening to this in like, I don't know, like hoverboards or something like we're just going to wake up and everything's going to be magically better. Yes. Birds are chirping. The sun will be shining. Um, but, you know, we still have 20 more days of Trump. So mm. true. <laughs> yeah, it really should just be January 1st. The new president gets sworn in. But, you know, it's in the Constitution. Yeah. Whatevs. Um, oh, that. So I think it's of note uh, that Senator Hawley is now fundraising off of his objection to the 2020 election <sighs> results. I'll be talking to Greg Oliar later in the show about that. He's going to join us. And then, of course, we have the good news. And we've got some submissions from for Amy's court. We've got a case on the docket and an update on the mugs. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. So. We do have a lot of headlines to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today. And I picked this as the lead story because I used to work at a hospital for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And this just blows my mind. There's an employee at a hospital outside Milwaukee who deliberately spoiled more than 500 doses of coronavirus vaccine by removing 57 vials from a pharmacy refrigerator. This is according to hospital officials who announced this Wednesday, and local police said they're investigating the incident with the help of the FBI. Initiating the internal review on Monday, hospital officials said they were initially led to believe the incident was caused by inadvertent human error. The vials were removed Friday, and most were discarded on Saturday, with only a few still safe to administer at Aurora Medical Center in Grafton, Wisconsin. Um, Each vial has enough for 10 vaccinations, but can sit at room temperature for only 12 hours. Two days later, the employee acknowledged having intentionally removed the vaccine from refrigeration. Uh, That's according to a statement that they made late Wednesday. The employee's motive is still unclear. So what do you think? Anti-vaxxer? What? What? I mean, what could it be? I, I what could it be? The motive, truly. Like, you work in a hospital. I'm going to guess that they are probably one of the, I don't know, probably 25% of Americans who believe that the vaccine contains microchips, which is interesting because you have to pull these out in syringes of probably 20 cc's per, 
out of a vial and there are 10 vaccines in a vial. So how would you be able to guarantee that the 10 microchips in that vial <laughs> were distributed evenly amongst the 10 doses of the vaccine that you get out of the vial? I, I, I'm not sure they've thought that far ahead. But but also, I want to know what what was this employee's position? Like, are we talking about a nurse, a doctor? We're talking about like an administration or or like housekeeping? Like what? Who? Who? You know, because... I, I just, I'm so curious. Well, generally, people who have access to the drug lockers are usually people who can administer the drug. So I don't right, think it would be right. a, like a janitor right. or a, a housekeeping service or an administrator. Because like I was a yeah. high level fucking administrator and I couldn't get into the drug locker. Right, you right. Know? It would seem like they would really lock that shit up. But from what I've heard, and there's so much chaos and the hospitals are full. And you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I don't know if maybe something slips through the cracks, but... I don't know what I'm saying because I know plenty of people in the medical profession, you know, doctors, nurses that live in Florida that are posting pictures of them going to brunch. So like maybe we shouldn't be that shocked (laughs) that someone with a medical degree could have done something like this. Yeah. And with all of the idiot conspiracy theories, this vaccine needs to be treated like a narcotic. It just needs to be monitored. There needs to be cameras on it. There needs to be specific key code access. And that's probably how they found out who did this is because, you know, you usually you go and you have to enter your little key code and they go, oh, it was you, Bob Wilson, who, mm-hmm. you know, took who took these out um, and right. that and that people went back and forth all day and saw them sitting out and didn't do anything is also weird. It's just weird. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. I am looking forward to an update on this. Yeah. My beans are on conspiracy theorist. Um. <laughs> I, 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 I will take those beans. I, I, I'm on board with those beans. All right, sweet. Either that or they just probably like, this This vaccination can't be safe for, you know, some dumb thing. Some dumb, dumb. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 go on to another idiot here. Senator Perdue, <laughs> that's the Georgia candidate in the runoff election for January 5th, is now in quarantine for exposure to the virus. He came in contact with somebody who's COVID positive, and he's known for refusing to wear a mask during public events. So, surprised, shocked, not at all. Not at all. I mean, when will they learn? When, when, when? Never. I don't know. I don't know. But somebody on, uh, some Republican on Twitter got really close. Her name is Tootie, which is great. That's like a Facts of Life <laughs> reference. But Yeah, Tootie with the roller skates. She tweeted out, um, Oregon has the fourth fewest virus cases, yet among the strictest lockdowns. And I was like, yeah, Tootie, that's how that shit works. <laughs> you you. You have the strict lockdowns. Yeah. It's funny how logic works. Like, read read your tweet again slowly. You almost get it. You almost get it. <laughs> right. So close to getting it. And from Politico, the Census Bureau will miss their December 31st deadline for reporting data used to determine congressional seats. And that's according to the agency. Um, and they announced that Wednesday. This delay could hinder Trump's effort to exclude some undocumented immigrants from the figures used to apportion House seats. The Census Bureau announced it's shooting to deliver its population counts for House apportionment in early 2021, as close to the statutory deadline as possible. This is the first time the Bureau will miss the deadline since 1976. Um, that's when the deadline was implemented. It's not like they missed it in 76. That's just when they started having the deadline. <laughs> They're like, 76 was a really bad year. But I, I <laughs> is so I'm taking the, I'm taking it this is good news, but then 
could it be good? I don't understand how it's not a bad thing. I think it's good news. Okay. It's, uh, to go on for a little bit, but you know, I mean, it's bad news that we missed the deadline, but it's good news right. that Trump won't be able to hand an undercount into Congress to oh, disproportionately disclude undocumented yeah. immigrants from the count, which would be anti-constitutional. And it's, it's already been decided yeah. in the Supreme Court. Uh, a long time ago that that oh, it's all persons. And so, you know, when they tried to sue again, saying they didn't want to count all persons, you know, a bunch of terrible shit went down and they lost that case. And, and the Supreme Court was like, this isn't ripe yet. You got to actually have an undercount or some sort of, you know, show harm that was done to right. these citizens who weren't counted and then bring it back. But for him not to be able to get these numbers is, I think, a good thing. Uh, it I'm, is. Okay, it is a good thing. I'm glad it's a little late. Uh, the Census Bureau documents released by the House Oversight Committee earlier show the data might uh, may not be delivered until late <laughs> January. That's after President-elect Joe Biden is inaugurated. That would give the Democratic president an opening to cease Trump's efforts to exclude undocumented immigrants from the count. Many are speculating Trump has returned to the White House. Uh, either to start a war with Iran or perhaps oh, deal perfect. with the census issue. However, I stand by my theory that it's just because there weren't enough people that RSVP'd <laughs> to his Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve gala. So he's just sad. Um, yeah. Though I was wrong about him returning to the White House. I put beans on him leaving for the holidays and not coming back and just pardoning himself from Mar-a-Lago. My, those beans did not come true. I was wrong about that. Though, um, I, you know, I thought he, that that's what was going to happen. But he has returned. Well, yeah, I think something's up. Because I would have put, I would have bet beans on your theory too. So I wonder, I, it's got to be that people didn't RSVP. He is petty enough for that, one hundred percent. Yeah, he he did it at Christmas. Remember, he didn't have right. enough people at his yes. Christmas party at the White House, so he didn't come downstairs and say hi. <laughs> Right, um, right. But it doesn't make any sense that his return would be for to start a war with Iran because the U.S. military has flown now nuclear capable B-52 bombers to the Middle East on Wednesday to underscore the U.S. military's commitment to regional security and demonstrate a unique ability to rapidly deploy overwhelming combat power on short notice. This is according to a statement from CENTCOM, U.S. Central Command, which oversees military operations in that region. The bombers were sent from the United States. The flight comes amid ongoing tensions with Iran and Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, as well as concerns that Iran may seek to retaliate against the United States for when we killed General Qassem Soleimani. That's Iran's second most powerful figure at the time. Quote, the United States continues to deploy combat-ready capabilities to the U.S. Central Command area of responsibility to deter any potential uh, adversary and make clear we are ready and able to respond to any aggression directed at Americans or our interests. That's General Frank McKenzie, commander of CENTCOM. Uh, Wednesday's flight constitutes the third bomber deployment in the Middle East in the last 45 days. This fact puts the Iran reason for Trump's early return to the White House in the unlikely category for me. Because if, it, mm. you know, if it's for a reason other than him being a pissy dick about not enough people showing up to his party, <laughs> then I would say it's more likely got to do with the runoff on January 5th in Georgia or the January right. 6th ceremonial reading of the Electoral College results in Congress. Yep, um, yep, yep, yep. But he... Yep. He could deal with any, either of those things and still have made an appearance at his party. Right. Do you think that he wants to have people, maybe he's trying to pressure senators in the White House? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe, you know, they'll show up to the White House if called, but like Mar-a-Lago, not so much. Yeah, nothing would work. Uh, either, I, you know, I just think he's pissed about his party. He, uh, <laughs> he's poopy about his party. Or, um, 
you know, maybe he's worried about the transition, the Biden transition team getting access to mm-hmm. Pentagon and Office of Management and Budget. And he just wants to be there to be an obstructing force or something. But yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about the early return. CNN says Trump is returning early to prep for January 6th. That's what they are saying it is. But they didn't say what their source was or, or if they were just guessing. And they are also reporting that some 140 Republican congressional representatives plan on objecting to the election results on January 6th. But do not worry. They can't do anything. They can't do anything. They can't do anything. But but other than just like prolong the process. But also, and this, you know, this might be the least of them or maybe the most of them, but it could be an amalgamation of a few things. But I think also he's just wanting to feel powerful and he's not going to be in the White House that much longer. So maybe he's just like milking it for the last bit that it's worth. I don't know. You know, yeah, maybe he can raise more money when he makes speeches from the White House front steps. I don't know. Either way, it's like, bye. Who knows? He hates the White House. Maybe he was just so mad at Melania's remodel of Mar-a-Lago. He's like, I got (laughs) to That's true, too. I don't like the white columns. (laughs) Yeah, and the black countertops are bad. Um (laughs) This is from uh, Josh Gerstein and Kyle Cheney at Politico. A federal judge has agreed to allow a Georgia county to require certain voters can cast provisional ballots. This is just days before the two runoff elections in the state. Um, We talked about this yesterday. More than 4,000 voters faced eligibility challenges ahead of the January 5th runoffs based on unverified postal change of address records. The new injunctions from the U.S. District Court Judge Leslie Abrams Gardner issued uh, this you know, her ruling just before midnight on Wednesday. And this is replacing uh, an earlier restraining order she had issued that prevented mm-hmm. Muskogee County from forcing these voters to cast provisional provisional ballots at all. The latest order represents a significant move in the direction the county board urged during a court hearing earlier on Wednesday. So she's walking back her decision. Although the county uh, may now require provisional ballots from those voters, Gardner's order directs that no challenges to their eligibility be upheld based exclusively on the data in the National Change of Address Registry. That's a U.S. Postal Service database that Democrats have worried is unreliable and unverified indicator of whether individuals have changed their legal residence. Uh, Quote, the challenge of their eligibility will not be sustained absent specific evidence of ineligibility. And that's according to her new order. She sits uh, on the Albany, Georgia um, court. She says such specific evidence shall not include the appearance of a voter's name or any other information in the registry. And her order also requires Muskogee County to notify any voters of whom it finds such evidence of ineligibility and give them a chance to present evidence to count their ballot by January 8th. So a cure, a ballot curative measure. So she is the sister of um, uh, Stacey Abrams. Fair fight. Oh, no, for real? Yeah. And the Republicans were upset that she didn't recuse herself from this case. Oh, my gosh. When she gave her decision, there was a big outcry. So she's walking it back a little bit saying, "Okay, the voters can do provisional ballots, but you can't uh, discount their ballots for this U.S. Postal Service thing. You can't still can't do that. So that's so it's just so arbitrary too. like how many times I don't know, at least at least me when I first moved to L.A., I think I moved every single year (laughs) until I married my husband. You know what I mean? Like I just I didn't have like like I would just move neighborhoods or whatever or maybe my billing address was different. So that's just like really I'm still getting we're still we've lived in this house for five years. We're still getting mail from the previous owner. Mm -hmm. So like it's so unreliable. Yeah, especially with the sabotaging of the Postal Service by installing uh, Louis DeJoy. So yeah. Um, And finally, we're just days away from that runoff uh, in Georgia, and Republicans are not pleased with their early voter turnout. And much like the general (laughs) election, 
They seem to be counting on in-person day of voters to turn out for Republicans. Early voting has closed. It's now up to Election Day voters, which generally favor conservatives, uh, those people who show up to vote on Election Day. Uh, But this election is anything but usual, so we'll be watching the returns closely. One of the Democratic candidates in the runoff races, John Ossoff, was ambushed by Fox News during an event. And, well, it didn't go well for Fox News. Let's take a listen. Uh, You talk in your stump speech that we just listened to about health and jobs and justice for all. Why not talk more about your experience, your relevant experience, and being the best person to deliver on those things? Well, look, I've made my career fighting injustice, exposing war crimes and corruption. I run a business that's exposed terrorism, that's exposed sexual slavery by ISIS, that's exposed judicial corruption. And right now we have a crisis of corruption in American politics. And since we're live on Fox, let me take this opportunity to address directly the Fox audience. We have two United States senators in Georgia who have blatantly used their offices to enrich themselves. This is beyond partisanship. And the reason to your question that I talk so much about health and jobs and justice for all the people is that we can unite behind that program. We've lost nine rural hospitals in Georgia in 10 years. We can reopen them. We can invest in infrastructure to build jobs, revitalize our communities, create opportunity, raise the minimum wage so that people doing an honest week's work can not just survive but can thrive. And yes, pass landmark civil rights and voting rights legislation to secure equal justice for all. And I humbly and respectfully request the support of everyone who is tuned in on Fox right now. And I'd love for you to log on to electjohn, electjon.com. That's electjon.com. Make a contribution to our efforts here in Georgia. And one more quick one while we've got you. Any, any concern that the allegations of wrongdoing against Reverend Warnock could possibly be a drag on the Democratic ticket next week? None whatsoever. Reverend Warnock addressed this issue a year ago. And here's the bottom line. Kelly Leffler has been campaigning with a Klansman. Kelly Leffler has been campaigning with a Klansman. And so she is stooping to these vicious personal attacks to distract from the fact that she's been campaigning with a former member of the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, we deserve better than that here in Georgia. And I want to encourage everybody to make a plan to vote on Tuesday. Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you, Mr. Ossoff, very much. All right. And we will send it back to you guys in New York. All right. Peter Ducey with the Ossoff campaign there. Peter, thank you. So, yeah, he's great. And hopefully he's the future senator from Georgia. Um, Yes. You know, there's just nothing like I just don't know why Fox News continues to ambush like the likes of John Ossoff or Pete Buttigieg. Like they wipe the floor with them every single time. (laughs) And it's just like watching. It's just like, oh, oops. They, you know, they a little bit of truth in on a network that, you know, has is is sort of like allergic to it. And and it's like the anchors don't know what to do because they're in an echo chamber you know and they've just been like Mm. talking to each other for the last four years and somebody comes by and it's like no here's some logic or here's some truth and then they're like it's so good you bring that up i was like did john ossoff take a master class online from pete Buttigieg on how to talk to fox news because that was awesome yeah and um and it's everybody the the results are going to be much like the presidential election trust me on this it's going to be the, inver- the in-person votes are going to be counted first. It's going to look like 
Leffler and Purdue are way ahead. And, and as the days go by and the mail-in and provisional ballots are counted and cured, um, you're going to start seeing them, the, you know, the Democrats gain and then perhaps flip. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But don't lose heart. Night of. Don't lose heart, but I, I'm interested in that. So you do think it's going to take a few days? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They've, okay. they've, they'll probably have three to four million voters. And that's, you know, we remember what happened to the in the general with Georgia. I don't think it'll take as long uh, because there will be fewer voters. There always are, especially in special elections and runoffs that don't happen the same time they vote for president. But it's going to, you'll see it and you'll see Leffler and Purdue and Trump try to call it for the Republicans before all the votes are counted. And we're going to have the same situation there. If, you know, the Democrats pull it off and flip it blue, flip the seats blue, you're going to see all the same lawsuits and all the same signature ballot signature challenges. And and it's going to, there's no reason for it to be any different. Yeah, it's going to be a clusterfuck. But I think it's important. And, and I, you know, I think it's important that you said that. And, you know, maybe that's something we can start kind of preparing ourselves for or maybe just telling just getting that out there because I think the more people know that it's going to be kind of the same where the in-person votes are going to go first and it's going to look like if indeed the Democrats win um, it's going to be a kind of flip situation in the same way that we had for the general and I think if people are prepared for that then they're less likely to believe like oh you know this is a conspiracy or whatever (laughs) I don't know I, I just feel like if had we been a little better prepared for that in the general I don't know maybe not maybe maybe it would have been the same but it's important to know that so thank you for preparing us yeah 100 percent. and and we have to you know I I just I I sincerely hope they win it's just going to take a couple days to count we got to be chill with it and you know the good news is is that Georgia ran a beautiful election on November 3rd um, it took a long time to count. They did a recount out of the goodness of their hearts. Then they did a recount that Trump asked for. They found that all of their hand counts matched the machine counts. Um, th- there weren't that many votes that changed hands. I think more went for Biden, um, it, but very few. And so they ran a very tight, very clean election. And I think that now that they have that experience in their pocket, it's just going to, they're, they're going to do a wonderful job here as well. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. All right, everybody, uh, we'll be right back with Greg Oliar. We're going to discuss Senator Hawley's grift to rip off Trump supporters, which is uh, taking money from a Trump supporter is like taking candy from a baby. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Fight Camp. All of our gyms are closed. We're all stuck at home. And I know a lot of us have this resolution to get rid of this COVID weight, but there is a solution. It's called Fight Camp. I'm always looking for new routines to keep me engaged and motivated. And I really, you have to check out Fight Camp. It's an at-home boxing and bodyweight workout taught by real fighters. It's made for all levels, from seasoned fighters to first-time boxers, and even kids love it. The boxing workout is always ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape, and I think it's the most fun way to get a full-body workout, and you combine cardio and strength training while also developing hand-eye coordination and getting out some of that anxiety. Fight Camp provides all the gear you need. They have gloves and wraps and the best freestanding punching bag on the market. And they have this unique punch tracking sensor stuff that like shows your real-time progress, and you just need your iOS device 
device to look at it. The workouts are structured like traditional boxing rounds. They have interval training, so that's that high-impact interval training that burns a lot of fat. So they have three minutes of high-intensity boxing and bodyweight training, and then you get one minute of rest. So the time actually goes by really quickly. You can access over 400 different workouts at all fitness levels and skills. They have new ones each week, so it always stays fresh. And you can connect with Fight Camp folks on Facebook. There's over 4,000 members, and you can enter challenges and have some healthy competition. And you can watch yourself reach new milestones, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. So Fight Camp keeps you engaged and focused. They have endless variety, uplifting beats, motivating trainers, and powerful technology. And all of those things combine to create a really satisfying workout. Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now, for a limited time offer, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. That's right. You can try Fight Camp for 30 days. And if you don't love it, they will refund your money. So train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. And to try Fight Camp for 30 days, just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. Again, joinfightcamp.com beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is a good friend of mine. I'm so excited to have you on the first show of the new year. Now, granted, you know, we still sit, we're recording this in 2020, whilst people who listen to this are already in 2021. And as I've said earlier on the show, I'm very jealous of them for already being done with this year. But please welcome Greg Oliar, author of Dirty Rubles and just one of the best voices on Twitter. How are you, Greg? Good. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, it's got to be better, right, than 2020. Well, I think, you know, historians sometimes say that there's like a long, um, what is it, the long 19th century, right, that goes from the the, the revolution through the, the beginning of World War One and then a short 20th century. So this is a long 2020 that's really not going to end until January 20th, I think, in a lot of ways. We're, you know, it's the new year. We're excited about it, but it's not like we're reveling in the streets of New York because we're not. Um, you know, what we're doing is uh, actually the same stuff I do every year, which is staying home and watching the ball drop on TV. Yeah. And uh, samesies. I think we're, you know, we're going to do a, a Zoom a little bit later um, with patrons, but that's that's about it. You know, it's just it's me and the cats. So <laughs> excitement. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, you know, New Year's Eve is amateur night anyway. Who are we kidding? Always has been. Even when I was an amateur, I knew it was amateur night. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. St. Patrick's Day and uh, Halloween, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Just the yeah. worst. Yeah. Um, speaking of the worst, I want to talk to you a little bit about Josh Hawley. Howley? Hawley. 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 Uh, this flaccid douche is just the epitome of punchable faces right like that one guy who jacked up the prices of the EpiPen um was like had the top spot and then I think Richard Spencer knocked him out of the top spot and then you know Louis Gohmert actually lost a tooth I don't know if it's because anyone punched him in the face but now we have Holly and he's the one senator so far that is going to be objecting uh quote unquote to the results, the ceremonial reading of the results that it, that is not Pence deciding; it's just Pence reading numbers uh, that have already been certified uh, and everything, and were received on time. Everything's gone smoothly, you know, at least according to what you know uh, how it could have gone in the pandemic, especially with all the mail-in votes. But um, he's going to be objecting on January sixth during the reading of the results. Uh, and this just in, by the way, um, Louis Gohmert sued Mike Pence, mm -hmm. right? And, and the basis of as one does, 
And the basis of the lawsuit, as best we could figure out, I had Renato Mariotti on, and I'm like, tell me what he's even suing for. And Renato's like, I don't even know, man. Uh, but apparently he he thinks that the vice president should have the power to decide who the winner is, not the voters, but the vice president, and that the Constitution is wrong. He's angry about the wording in this in this. 1887 law that says the vice president reads the results. He can't make any choices or anything. He just reads them. And he's like, that's wrong. That's anti-constitutional. And then his argument made no sense. It had something to do with how there was electoral votes for the vice president and president separately, uh, which I couldn't make that connection and and neither could the former U.S. attorney. So uh, that lawsuit, the Department of Justice just filed a brief, as did Mike Pence, asking uh, the judge to throw out that lawsuit. Um, say it's just basically like this is dumb. Uh, <laughs> and so it's interesting now that we have uh, Pence and the Department of Justice under Trump telling Louis Gomer where to go. Um, but Louis Gomer is going to be one of the congressional Republicans who object, uh, along with uh, about 140 of his colleagues uh, in in the House. And if you have one senator, you only need one senator and one House person in the House of Representatives to object. Then they go to their little rooms and debate for two hours and then have a vote. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. But it's it's just, to me, you know, there's a lot of different things going on here. But you, you made an interesting tweet uh, about uh, Manafort had selected Pence, right, for the vice presidency. And... Uh, Pence had selected Holly for that seat, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Not necessarily that the, that succession is is connected, but how did what did Pence do to get him uh, to run in Missouri? I mean, let's go back a little bit and talk about Republicans and Pence and and all of this, because one of the one of the things that I've learned, I think, and that, and that has surprised me in the last four years is how complicit the Republican Party is uh, to all of the stuff Trump is doing. Not so much, you know, Trump himself as a person, but the very idea of destroying the democracy in order to set up some sort of American oligarchy in which they are the oligarchs. That appears to be what they're trying to do and what they have been trying to do for the last, I don't know, 25 years, whatever it is. Um, I thought, I really thought when Trump took over, that And the reason why I got started with the Trump Russia stuff and the reporting that I've been doing, I thought, my God, if these Republicans know the truth about this, they're going to they're going to be appalled and they're going to get rid of this guy because, you know, Republicans are, are, are hard on crime and they're patriotic and all this you know, national security stuff. And I mean, say what you will about the John Birch Society, but at least they hated the Russians like you're supposed to. Right. <laughs> And I was just wrong about that. They just don't care. They don't care. Um, and Pence, this is how I, I, I sort of arrived at this. Pence, when he was selected, okay, there's that famous story where Trump doesn't know who he wants. Maybe he wants Christie or Gingrich because uh, he knows those guys pretty well. And um, I know this This is reported in detail in uh, Tom LoBianco's book, uh, Piety and Power, which is a Mike Pence biography, which is really good. Um, so Paul Manafort contrives to have Trump Force One have a flat tire one night so that Trump is stuck in Indiana and has to spend the night there and meet with Mike and Karen Pence at the governor's mansion in Indianapolis rather than at Trump Tower. 
So the next day, Kushner and Ivanka and all the Trumpy people show up and they have this sit down, you know, and and um, the Pences are sort of portrayed in the media as outsiders, you know, this choice that maybe nobody wanted and this and that. And uh, it's crap, you know, Pence, whatever, whatever they agreed to that day, and maybe it was before or after, it was Manafort who put him there because Manafort knew that the guy was really ambitious and that he also had problems in his past. He had money problems. He had problems. You know, he used his um, his campaign finances to pay for his mortgage when he ran for the election the first time. He used his AOL server, his private AOL server to, to do government you know, business. And we know the Republicans don't like that. You know, God forbid. Um and then he he presided as governor, like he was sort of a crappy ideologue. Ideologues make terrible uh, executives. They're okay as senators; they can be scolds or whatever. Once they're in in charge, they think that you know my idea is going to be good, and we're going to use it no matter what. And if your idea is to close Planned Parenthood because you don't understand what Planned Parenthood does, and then there's an HIV outbreak in Southern Indiana. And no one can go get AIDS tests because you've closed all the Planned Parenthoods. And that happens on your watch. That's a problem, right? So, you know, Pence is a terrible governor, but he's also the kind of guy that's such a rigid ideologue that he'll do something stupid and self-defeating like that. So he has all the ingredients of somebody that can be turned. And once he's brought into the team, he's immediately told what to do and gradually exposes himself to more and more crime. He mm-hmm. lies all the time. That's all this guy does is lie. Bless you, Pence. He, he lies all the time. And he's a really, really good liar. He might be the best liar I've ever seen. Better than better even than McEnany and Trump himself. And Pence, Pence sounds like he's so earnest when he talks. It's really dangerous. So, you know, when John Dickerson asks him um, in, I think, what's the show called? Face the Nation. Hey, was there any meetings with Trump people and Russia? And, oh, of course there, there weren't. He says, right? That's a lie. And he knows it. He fucking knows it, that it's a lie. Um, then uh, the whole business with Mike Flynn, more lies. There's no way that he didn't know what Mike Flynn was. This is, it's impossible that he's the vice president and he doesn't know. And as this thing moves along, um, we go into the Ukraine stuff. And, uh, you know, the Zelensky call. Pence knew about the Zelensky call. He had a readout of the Zelensky call. He had his own call with Zelensky and he met with him in Warsaw. He knew damn well what Trump did and he didn't do anything about it. So he's more and more into this thing. And now he can't stop. You know, once you're in that deep with the treason, you kind of you can't just be like, you know what, guys, I'm going to get off the ride now. It doesn't the mob don't work like that. Once you're in, you're in. So I think Pence, the idea that Pence is somehow, um, you know, Trump's conscience or he's he's independent of him in any way is ridiculous. I think Trump owns him flat out. He's like the gimp in Pulp Fiction. And every once in a while, he, he'll be like, prove your loyalty. Go do a maskless rally in wherever stupid place at, at the senior center in Florida. And Pence dutifully does what he's told. So Pence, uh, looking around, sees somebody with similar ambitions Similar lack of scruples, similar, you know, handsomeness, good looks on TV, whatever. And uh, this guy, Josh Hawley, he's 41 years old. He's about the same age as Nick Ayers, who was Pence's chief of staff. Um, So Pence has a type, you know, he's got a type that he likes. (laughs) And uh, these guys that are very handsome, very well-groomed young men, uh, ambitious, smart. Um, And he encouraged Hawley to run for the Senate. And kind of pushed him to do so. And there's an article in the Kansas City Star 
that kind of talks about that, that I put under my tweet. I don't know how influential it was, but the, the fact remains, um, this is a guy who's dangerous. Josh Hawley's dangerous. He knows this isn't going to work. He's doing it because years from now, when he's going to run for president, he wants to be able to go back and say to Trump's base of you know, fascist assholes, look, I stood up for Trump when other people would not. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're a truly democratic society that cares about the country, anybody that opposes this should be immediately removed, if not tried for treason. But that's not going to happen. Instead, we have, you know, millions of people in this country who think that this is fine. And it's really dangerous. And I hope that for the sake of the country and for the Republican Party, because we need two functional parties in the country, we have to have that. We can't have one party that's doing everything and one party that exists just to break whatever that other party's doing, which is what we've had for the last 20, 25, really since Clinton took over. Um, you know, and Gingrich started that in the 90s. We've had a Republican Party that offers nothing. There's no ideas. There's no platform. It's all about basically the rich getting richer and trying to and breaking wedge the issues. Yeah, breaking the government. The, the idea that the government is the problem that Reagan espoused is such a dangerous and fucking stupid concept that anybody that says that, like, if it's so, if you hate it so much, why are you working in government? If the government's the problem, why are you there then, you know? Yeah, I, I asked that of Jim Jordan, uh, who tweeted a couple of days ago, hey, I just want to let you know, it's uh, the government that uh, didn't get the vaccine out, not, you know, or didn't vote for the, something about it was the government, the government broke it. And I'm like, you're in the government, um, molester protector, but thank you for playing. <laughs> um, now, Holly, so the, he, he was convinced to run. He bought a, a house in St. Louis uh, and there, you know, there were all these reports of it's just an empty house. I think there was a stool in the middle of the living room and like that was it. And then he used his sister's residence to vote in from St. Louis before that to develop a voting record as being uh, a, somebody from Missouri. Uh, but he's not from there. And yeah, you're right. Pence has this has a type. Uh, and I, I do want to bring up all of these folks objecting uh, to the reading, the ceremonial reading of the, the Electoral College are allowed to do that. They're allowed to object and debate and have votes. It's built in. The Democrats have done it. Um, I don't personally think that objecting to this uh, readout of the Electoral College is uh, sedition. I think more along the lines of the Oval Office meeting where they all sat around and planned all the different ways they were going to try to object to and overturn the election is is the seditious part. Um, and of course, even if it were considered sedition, anything that you say in the course of your job as a senator or a representative in the House of Representatives is protected by the speech and debate clause, uh, which would easily win in, in any kind of a if there were some sort of charges brought against anyone. And so my complaint is that it's this ceremony isn't news and it shouldn't be covered. That is my point. Um, I put out a tweet the other day. I was like, hey, did you all know that in 2016 there were multiple Democrats that objected to Biden, who had to read the results of the Trump Electoral College victory, quote unquote, uh, victory? There were a lot of objections. Did you know that? No, you didn't, because it's not news and it shouldn't be covered. This is a ceremonial thing that I don't even know why we do it, but it's never been covered before. And, and, and the only reason these assholes, these seditious dickheads are doing this is because they're going to have a national stage upon which to 
get their message out there. So like you said, in 2024 or 2028, when they want to run for office, they won't have uh, abandoned or neglected or gone against Trump's base. Uh, right. And, and and as a matter of fact, I think this is all a money making operation. Oh, yeah. As oh, well. oh so, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I have I have a little bit of proof of that. So hang on a second. I got to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. We'll talk about this. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Nebbia. This is an incredible shower experience. It feels like a day at the spa. It's so refreshing, and it saves water, which is incredible. It's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook, and it's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water. The Nebbia takes your shower to a new level. The Nebbia Spa Shower by Moen, it's the most advanced shower yet, and it has twice the coverage with half of the water usage of standard shower heads. But despite using 45% less water, the spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. The atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest hair, and it can be easily installed in 15 minutes, so there's no need for plumbers or anything to come by your house. Nebbia balances functionality with clean aesthetics to achieve a timeless design, and it comes in four premium finishes to complement any bathroom. They have the white and chrome finish, the spot-resistant nickel, which is what I have, matte black, and then black and chrome. And they also offer accessories like shower shelves and shower curtains, which pair perfectly with the shower's design. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $199, and for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 15% off site-wide. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's a good deal to jump on. So go to Nebbia.com slash beans. That's N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. Again, the first 100 people to use the code beans when checking out will save 15%. Again, that's Nebbia.com slash beans and use the code beans to save 15%. All right, I'm talking today with the author of Dirty Rubles, one of the just it's such a fantastic book. You need to re- read his Substack stuff and his tweets and follow him on Twitter. It's just Greg Oliar, just a good friend of mine. How are you? Good. I am good. And, um, you know, what you just said, I think is important. The media really needs to be um, called to task here. There, there's so many assumptions and lies about how things are presented that we've all bought. You know, the idea that Republicans are for fiscal reform for example, well, you know, all we all the Democrats do is clean up the mess of their horrible spending and tax cuts. Right. Um, and the media as being somehow left wing is insane. You know, individual reporters might have left leaning tendencies because they're actually, you know, any any well-educated, smart person by nature would wind up that way because we're right and they're wrong. But, you know, the, the, the big media companies are controlled by these people with deep pockets that are basically conservative Republicans and want that covered. And the reason that they're covering this the way that they are is because they want to make it, they want to build up the suspense. They want all of the media, including the, 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 the so-called left-wing CNN, which is run by Jeff Zucker, one of Trump's best friends, by the way. So that whole thing is a fucking joke. Um, they want to build up the suspense because they think it's going to have, you know, good ratings, good TV. But what the, what this has done during this entire process is traumatized people needlessly. I mean, I went on I went on whatever show I was on even before the election and said this thing is over. Biden's going to win. Everyone can just relax. And after election day, I said, we're going to call it right here and now it's over. And, you know, CNN waited. Everybody waited. And there was all this like. You know, and why it was it? It was ridiculous. Like the the it, it's over. Bi- you know, Biden won, Trump lost. It's over. But everybody has been so 
traumatized by this man by four years of gaslighting bullshit, which has been perpetuated by the media, um, that we, we, we're not going to really exhale fully until Joe's hand is on that Bible, you know? Yeah. And well, as a com- you know, a comedian, I spent nine years doing comedy uh, in, in the weeks leading up to a show. I would put out a flyer. I'd make little announcements. You know, I'd be like, hey, there's a show coming up. Uh, and that's how you get eyes on your show and get butts in the seats. Right now, my posters and flyers and, and promotion weren't traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what is happening here. And it's 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 hard to watch and i just i want people to kind of, if if they want if they come away from this discussion with anything is that the election will not be overturned the obstructionists in congress and in the senate cannot stop anything from happening uh, louis gomert will not be able to successfully sue mike pence into being able to just choose who the president is uh, on january 6th that would be weird. And even if they could somehow get a court to do that, it wouldn't apply to this particular election because we've already gone through the voting part. So, you know, it's it's it doesn't it nothing's going to happen. They are just trying to put the fear into you. So like even just the simple return of Trump from Mar-a-Lago to the White House, I thought he would stay at Mar-a-Lago and just pardon himself from there. But he came back to the White House and everyone's like, oh, he's going to attack Iran. There were B-52 bombers flying in the Middle East. I was like, yeah, but that's the third time they've been sent over in the last 45 days. He wouldn't need to come back 12 hours early uh, from his poopy party to just do that one thing. It's not that's not what's happening. And, and I just I kind of feel like. A lot of the independent journalists like you or me or, or like we are like we've just been telling everyone for the last, you know, four years like, hey, you know, it's going to be OK. But the problem is, is that it hasn't been, you know, when the Mueller investigation went like, hey, this is good. This is going to be OK. It wasn't. Barr wrecked it and shat all over it. Uh, hey, the impeachment, there's an impeachment now. It's going to be okay. And it wasn't. So I, I understand from people on the other side saying, you know, I don't quite necessarily believe you when you tell me it's going to be okay. And I get that. And that is the product of those four years of gaslighting. Yeah. And 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 the obstruction and the, you know, this is military grade psyops that's being perpetrated against us. Like the Mueller thing uh, failed to rouse, I think, the ire of the people because Barr completely cock-blocked it. I mean, that's what he did. He made inappropriate redactions, and yeah. and as well as his not releasing the executive summaries and him putting out his letter that was totally mischaracterized, the, the findings. And I, you know, I did not see that coming. I have to be honest. I didn't see, I thought when that report dropped that everyone in the country would go, ah-ha-ha, and I didn't think that one man would have the kind of power to, to squash it the way that he did. And that, you know, that, the, but he did. And and the, a judge has even found that his redactions were inappropriate and has since released them, showing the, the massive scope of the Russian interference, even more than we had originally thought. And yeah. But here we are, because the first impression is the first impression, you know, all these... FOIA thing and it, it but it comes back to, it comes back to the media too you know the media didn't want the story I mean the media is so generally speaking so lazy contemptuously lazy like okay take the the steel dossier right the the um 
forget about the nature of, of how that was released and why and should it have been and all that stuff. The PP tape is on what, the second page of it? What is, I think it's 40 pages. It's, on, it's either on the first page or the second page. I don't think anyone in the press read past where, where it said that. I think they were just like, oh my God, PP tape. And they just ran to it to get that scoop. And that's all that anybody cared about out of that. There was plenty of stuff in the Mueller report as it came out that was damning to Trump. Yeah. And nobody, you know, it just wasn't reported that way. There were crimes. There were literal fucking crimes <laughs> that happened in volume two. Now, it would have been helpful if Mueller got up in front of a, of a, of a microphone and said so. But, but he had reasons. He had his reasons. Not necessarily that I agree with him, but he said, yeah. look, I could I could I could taint a future jury by calling him a criminal and then he would get off on appeal. And you don't want that. You know, he didn't say that. But and, may, you know, and maybe he'll be right. Maybe he'll be proved right next year. You know, who knows? And he did. He didn't say that in front of anybody. He put it in the report. And that's why he just kept saying, read my report. Will you just read the report? The <laughs> I feel like that, like sometimes I'll tweet out something that is an article that I wrote for Prevail. And someone will comment, make some comment, and it's like, read the article, man. <laughs> what you said is like they're saying something like it's news, and it's like that, that's in, it's in the third paragraph of the thing that you're that you're commenting on. So read it. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Well, as we famously said, you can't fit the Mueller report on a bumper sticker, so it's it's not going to work. It's it's it you know it's up to the three percent of us that read it to do something, or you know, but. You know, what it did come down to and what we all eventually learned was that it was going to be up to us. Uh, and we did it. We voted in numbers too big to manipulate. I am convinced Trump cheated and lost anyhow. Uh, and but we did it. We beat him. Um, and we just have these 20 days left. And but despite all the objections and the Howleys and the Gomerts of the world and the Jim Jordans, they can't stop this. Uh, but just today, Howley put out a fundraising email mm. and a fundraising letter. Uh, uh, help us help this fight, you know. And that's why he's doing this, because it it has been proven over and over again that taking money from a Trump supporter is like taking candy from a baby. If you look at what <laughs> Bannon did with his We Build the Wall grift, right? Uh, and then, of course, they turn around and Russian bots uh, amplify that it's the Democrats that are grifting everyone uh, because, you know, they tend to blame people for that, which they are guilty. Uh, but that's what this is. He saw Trump raise $200 million on his bullshit battle against the election results, which are clear, and said, oh, I can probably I want to cash in on that, too. And also also not uh alienate the Trump base for when he wants to run. But I think what's right. That's both of those things. It's like a win-win for him. Mm -hmm. um, and he gets his name out there, you know? I, I didn't even know what he looked like until I really I looked at his thing today. And I'm like, what middle school, what high school debate team did this jerk come from? <laughs> um here's a I, this is something that I don't know that you might know. Maybe you don't know. When Trump or somebody like that raises money for like a a, a pack or whatever the heck it is. How much of that money do they get? I mean, they're not supposed to just, they can't just take it and go to the bank and be like, I'm going to Vegas, bye. Mm. But I'm, I'm sure there's ways that they can make withdrawals and kind of funnel it hither and yon as with that American media company that Laura Trump is in charge of and this and that. I mean, do you have any idea? I, I just don't, I've, I've never been able to find anywhere written how this actually works. Well, ask yourself why. Trump would be the first president in the last 60 years to veto the National Defense Authorization Act. It's because there was a, there's a provision in there 
um, called the Corporate Transparency Act that is folded into the NDAA that requires shell companies to disclose the money, the sources of the money that's coming in and coming out. And we did find, and we did hear about some reporting, that only donations to Trump's fight against the election results, only donations of more than $8,000 would go directly to that fight. Anything else would be filtered through the PAC. And I... I think we have yet to see how that PAC money gets filtered to them personally, whether it's through consultation fees or LLCs in Delaware that don't have to report where the money comes from and where it ends up. Uh, or, you know, people like maybe that's why Ka- Kaylee McEnany was not just a press secretary, but also a campaign uh, advisor. There's probably campaign advisor fees. Uh, and as Joyce Vance tweeted this week, I think forensic accountants are going to be the heroes of 2021. As we know, Cy Vance just hired FTI consultants uh, to work on the case with the Trump Organization and their tax fraud. So I think we just have to wait to see how that money, uh, when, when they trace it, where it came from, and they will. It's just a matter of time. Good. Because um, it's definitely, I mean, Trump's case, it's definitely a grift. This whole thing is... You know, it's a grift, and, and it'll be interesting to see, just on a cosmic joke scale, what what how, what what grift is going to remain after January six? Is he going to then announces he's going to run in twenty twenty four? Let's give to this. Mm-hmm. He'll file paperwork to run for president in twenty twenty four, and he will do it on January twentieth at twelve oh one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it, which is exactly what he did in twenty twenty, the day he won the election and was, in, or the day he was inaugurated. He filed to run again. It's how he makes his money. Yeah, it's really just I, I I don't understand how people at this point can't see through it. it but like you said, you know, the, the the MAGA and his money are soon parted. You know. Mm cult it's a cult yeah um you know yeah. you i watched that nexium thing and i was like how can people give money to this thousands and tens of thousands of dollars scientology tens and tens of thousands of dollars life savings to get their thetans read and be cleared or you know whatever yeah but you know even with Nexium, not to defend now i know a lot about nexium but not to not, not to by any means defend nexium but there was aspects of the programs that were run there that did help people. You actually had classes. The Trump, this Trump thing is, what are you getting out of it? You're getting, I don't know, a picture, like a crappy well-done burger from his shitty golf course. Like, I don't understand. It makes no no sense to me. Two for one tickets at the omelet bar at Mar-a-Lago. That's what you're getting. (laughs) Well, Greg, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about what 2021 is going to bring. I, I, you know, we're, we're starting a new show about how the, the Biden Justice Department will move forward and rebuild and how the intelligence communities can repair the damage that have, has been done. And I hope that you'll be uh, joining us on that show. I'm excited for that show. That's going to be great. All right. Well, you have a wonderful new year, everybody. Please tell everyone where they can find you. Um, I'm on Twitter at Greg Oliar, O-L-E-A-R. And my, my Substack, which is called Prevail, updates Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And that's just gregoliar.com. Well, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you and your family. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. Everybody, please stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. For the past four years, I have not been getting very good sleep. And you know, because of the anxiety of what's going on with politics and the White House and everything, 
It's been hard, but I also found out I was sleeping on a bad mattress. It was terrible. I would toss and turn. My back would be sore in the morning. But anyway, it turns out my sleep issues were caused by that mattress, not not anxiety. I was a bit worn out. Um, but more importantly, it wasn't right for the way I sleep at night. But they've been solved, my issues, by Helix. Helix understands you're unique, and they customize the mattress to fit you and the way that you sleep best. Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you like a mattress that's really soft, or if you like a firm mattress, or you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, whatever your sleep preferences are, Helix has a perfect mattress to match your unique tastes. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and again this year in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, so there's no hassle, but you will love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And joining me today for the good news is Judge Amy Carrero. <laughs> Amy, how are you? <laughs> I'm feeling very powerful today, um, and I'm ready to rule on the rulings. <laughs> okay, rule on the rulings. Um, rule on the rulings. We have a a, a a smorgasbord today. We have some good news, a confession, a correction, and Ooh. an update, and and a case on the docket. So, oh, I love it. Uh, let's let's. Yeah, let's kick it off. The first one, I'll, I'll, I'll take the first one here from Patty B. And Patty says, quick correction, I love Daily Beans. As soon as a new episode comes out, I put in the headphones, go for a bike ride while I listen to it. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I learned recently, I've been pronouncing the unethical grifter's name wrong. Uh, I thought it was pronounced Loffler with the first syllable rhyming with off, but it's Leffler, rhymes with theft. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly... I think she deserves to have it mispronounced, but it should be a conscious decision rather than an oversight. Y'all make me smarter and help me win debates with my less informed conservative friends. I can easily beat them about the head and neck with truthful information. Whenever they try to spout bullshit, you've made uh, uh, you've made undermining their arguments and debunking their lies trivially easy. Oh, thank oh, you, Patty. That that is a that is a compliment of all compliments. I have to say, you know, because <clears throat> if you can arm people with information and do it in a way that they feel like, oh, I'm not, it's all, you know, it's I'm not going to get over overwhelmed when they come at me with this with these arguments and I'm I'm able to keep a clear head and have good answers like that oh that would a dream <laughs> mm. well you're welcome but yes Leffler Leffler rhymes with theft won't forget it Theftler yeah. Theftler <laughs> amazing okay um uh, this the next one is from Kate I think did I pronounce it right Kate Rich it's probably Kathy. She, her. It's probably it's oh just my you know what english is my second language you guys so um and that's actually true i'm not i'm not hilaria bald winning it okay um she writes <laughs> hi ag i am a new i am new to the daily beans and really appreciate your incisive and frank take on the news i was listening to the De- december 31st podcast and stopped in my tracks when you reported the nashville bombers theory of lizard people I was a critical care RN at Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank, CA, and cared for Bob Hope when he was hospitalized there. Wow. 
Uh, I don't think I am breaching his HIPAA rights when I attest that during my care, I observed that he is a non, he is not an alien lizard person and his anatomy was typical of an elderly human male. However, his joke delivery was a bit slow. That's hilarious. (laughs) We have it. You have it right here. Exclusive scoop. Bob Hope was a human man. All right. Thank you, Kathy. Good to know. That's great. Thanks, Kathy. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. I woke up this morning to good news. A friend of mine has become a grandmother for the first time. Happy birthday, little Miss Rosalind. Uh, I asked how the parents came up with this unique name. The answer, they wanted to name the name of a famous person, woman in science, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, since both of uh, Rosalind's grandpas are scientists. Rosalind Franklin was the first to discover the helix structure of the DNA. Her techniques with x-rays enabled Watson, who wrote the double helix, and Crick to further understand the structure of DNA. What a great way to launch a baby into oh, life. That is I awesome. Love that. How cool. And that's a beautiful name. Yay, STEM babies. Woohoo. Uh, okay. Love that. Happy birthday, uh, little Rosalind. Okay. <laughs> the next one is from Jim. Pronounce he him. The Trump administration somehow hired a smart, conscientious, honest, natural leader for FEMA when they picked Pete Gaynor. So right after Pete was appointed, Trump and McConnell kneecapped him during a record hurricane season on top of the pandemic by refusing to allocate extra funding for pandemic cause needed unemployment compensation and covering uh, that that need by hijacking about two thirds of FEMA's budget. Pete and I. Uh, went through USMC OCS in the same platoon in 1985. Wow. Meaning we lived and worked together pretty closely 24 hours a day, six and a half days a week for 10 weeks. We were the two old guys, in quotes. Uh, We each had several years of previous enlisted service and um, were in our late 20s amid a bunch of fresh-faced 21-year-olds. So we basically had 40 little brothers to herd. Pete is one of the most generous, good-natured, loyal leaders I have ever served with, and his middle name should be Integrity or Initiative. If my grandson were in the service, I'd want him to have leaders like Pete Gaynor. It's great to hear his work recognized, but the only surprising aspect is that Trump hasn't fired him for being honest and competent. I really hope Biden asks Pete to stay on at FEMA or moves him up to a role where he Mm. can do even more good. Wow. That's awesome, Jim. Marine Corps. That's so cool. Is OCS for officers? Yes. Uh huh. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, that's the officer selection, candidate selection, or yeah, it's it's boot camp for officers. Uh, they teach you how to oh, salute gotcha. and uh, eat with a fork <laughs> in the proper hand. Um, <laughs> but Jim was former enlisted, so he knows he we can laugh right, about he it. Knows. Um, that's really awesome. Yeah, because I yesterday w- I spoke with Olivia Troy, who, as you know, was the whistleblower who was working at advising uh, President Vice President Pence on the task force. And she's like, "Yeah, no, Pete Gaynor was is great. He he's this wonderful guy in charge of FEMA, and he was one of the bright spots in the administration we looked toward for for leadership." Um, but yeah, he was kneecapped. They took two thirds of FEMA's budget. A lot of that stuff was a lot of that money was moved to build a wall. So, yeah, here we are. Um, but thanks for that, Jim, and thanks for your service. Uh, next up, Linda from Arizona, pronouns she and her. Five neurologists and one cardiologist later. My little problem is solved. Wow. For 11 years, I had five neurologists who didn't know what caused the aura in my left eye that came to stay after 64 <sighs> years of migraine headache auras. 
a symptom that usually lasts about 20 minutes per migraine. I had one yesterday, one of those little ocular migraines. They're awful. This new forever aura limited my peripheral vision to the extent that I stopped driving and reading books. But it's not painful, right? I I also never had another migraine. I thought this was a good trade-off. Two weeks ago, I was being asked by my cardiologist why I used the med that my first neurologist found would help control it a little bit. I explained my symptom as a sparkly spinning gray circle. He nodded and said to his colleague, that it was a visual, it was visual snow. I heard it, but with the cardio speak going on about my upcoming surgery to replace my heart valve, I forgot until I got home. I googled the words "visual snow," and Wikipedia immediately presented me with symptoms of uh, aeropsia, which is mm. a word for my exact symptom. Uh, I verified this with a deep dive into the internet. Two more neurologists. Problem solved. <gasps> Although there is seemingly no cure, I'm glad I can never again have to explain why I take this medication, which has been a problem every time I go to a new doctor. Mm. It's a small thing next to dealing with COVID, but every small problem you can handle, like wearing a mask, staying away from your family and friends in the public, (laughs) or washing your hands more frequently, can help you navigate this time of our lives. Love the podcast. I'm looking forward to clean up on aisle 45. Here are a couple pics of my furry girl, Lucy. She's a 13-pound, mm. 9-year-old bundle of sass and back talk, <laughs> who, of course, rules her empire and her staff with a royal sniff. <laughs> Look at the... Oh. oh, the second picture. Is, oh, my God, the third picture. <laughs> All of them are amazing. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Happy wow. New Year. She's got one of those little uh, noisemakers in her mouth. I okay, that's it. adorable. That's so adorable. Oh, well, I don't think that's a small thing. I think it's really good to, especially if you've been in the dark as to why you have this, mm-hmm. you know, mysterious thing that's, you know, compromising your vision. So I'm I'm so glad that you got some of the answers that you're looking for. Um, and here's to more answers in 2021. Um, okay, so the next one is from Bic pronouns she her good day to you beans ladies i would first like to thank you all who are a part of the beans family of awesome ladies for doing your part to bring the daily news stories to my ears with swearing laughter and snarky comments it is the highlight of my morning i wrote in a couple of months ago with the tale of a pup that my girlfriend and i were hoping to adopt she was seven months old at the time i wrote in and had experienced a trauma animal uh, animal abuse trigger warning here There was a news article that a friend of mine shared on her social media about a pup that had been thrown off of a local interstate overpass bridge. A good Samaritan happened to witness it happened and immediately found the pup and rushed her to the young animal's Young Williams Animal Center here in Knoxville, Tennessee. The pup is a husky mix. And when she got to the animal center, they immediately took her in for surgery. She had a broken pelvis and a broken front leg. She was placed with us, I know, placed with a foster family after surgery. We uh, we were one of the 400, over 400 applicants uh, to adopt this sweet pup. And we were lucky, the lucky ones that got to rescue her. Oh, my gosh. Aww. After two surgeries and two months in foster care, we finally got to bring her home the Friday before Christmas. She is currently finishing her two weeks of crate rest after the second surgery. And we are taking her to get the staples out of her incision today. Oh, we struggled with what to to name this sweet baby for a few days after bringing her home stop we finally settled on adora oh my god yes we named our sweet baby after shira 
Oh, we also call her Addie for short, but she answers to both. She very much fits her name. She is cute and sweet, but also determined and adventurous. Crate rest has been hard because she wants... Uh, so much to play with our five-year-old blue-nosed pitbull Oakley at all, all the time, except when napping. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um, I've included a pet tax of a few pictures of the babies. The first is our beautiful Adora looking super cute. The second in a top view is a top view of her in her favorite bed that came with her from her foster family that she has totally outgrown but still absolutely loves. My dog Moose does this too. Um, she is chewing on a Snoopy toy that came from her grandma. You can see her incision from this uh, second surgery in the picture. The third picture is of our precious Oakley, who has stayed very patient with our hyper puppy while she flops down uh, on top of her and steals every toy in the house. And the last pick <laughs> is the two of them and their pile of presents from Christmas. At one point, Adora had collected all of the Christmas presents, uh, Christmas present toys and put them in a pile on a giant dog bed and laid on top of the pile chewing on a toy until she noticed that Oakley had managed to steal one back. She promptly went over and stole the toy right back out of Oakley's mouth and added it back to the pile. After which oh um, Oakley went over to join Adora on the dog bed as to assert that these were her toys too. We couldn't be happier to have a new addition to our home. Oh my Look God. Look at this the baby. baby. So sweet. Oh, the Snoopy toy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the the people is so gorgeous too. Oh, oh this is so great. I love this happy ending. I'm so, so, so honored that you have named your sweet fighter Adora. And I just, you know, wish her and Oakley and you all of the very best. So glad she's got a good home. I don't know what possesses people to abuse animals. It's just, it's just I don't understand it. Ugh, neither do I. All right, next up, Amy's Court. Dun, dun. Today on the docket, status update and request for a TRO. <laughs> <laughs> This is Pavi, she, her. Status update. Mrs. Shameless has received her mugs. Though instead of the movie stars, <laughs> instead of the movie stars on the younger side, as Mr. is over 10 years junior, I found snowman stickers to cover his face. On Christmas Eve, I was on a walk with Freddie, uh, and who pulled in, but Mr. and Mrs. Right. Shameless. The, the couple exi- exited the car, bickering in their familiar style of every sentence ending with spite. Great, I thought. Things are back to normal. But no. As happy... Ha- as happy Mrs. was to see me, Mr. had been let in the house, but not in her heart. He mm. hovered around us, trying to interject anything to get a reaction out of Mrs. And failing, she only had eyes for me, tearfully praising the mugs and the thought behind them, and how she even found the snowmen funny. I was somewhat uncomfortable. Those were just mugs, you know. Especially uh, as two of her four children who still visit her were there to witness. Nobody has ever done anything nice for me. So much love and thought for me. To be fair, the oldest son is in the clink, so it couldn't be there, and the oldest daughter is uh, smart, but, you know, this <laughs> melted my cold, cold heart uh, until she lunged at me for a hug. I retracted, reminded social distancing is still on. Oh, my God. Uh, I wished it was all made up and without a sad side to it, but one simply has to laugh not to cry. Better New Year for 2021 for all you beautiful people, and thanks for the lovely beans and muller she wrote. And then there's a dog <gasps> picture that's adorable. Oh, um, gee. I just... Uh... I'm just endlessly, endlessly curious. I just, I want, I want a reality show. I want it. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you need a restraining order. I think she responded well to your, you know, your halt of the hug. So yeah, I think I think everything should be fine. And also, yeah, it seems like she's this neighbor, Mrs. is just so desperate for like, you know, 
Pivy's attention. You know what I mean? Like I, I am someone who the more somebody wants my attention, the less I want to give to them. I know that sounds horrible, but, um, but because it feels like, like, oh my God, I, I owe them something or it just feels like they're needy or whatever. So I kind of understand the like, listen, I did this nice thing for you, but don't go overboard, you know, kind of situation. So I, I, I agree. All right. We've got a new one. Why don't you take this one? Here we go. Fur versus her. Dun dun. Plaintiff. <laughs> if it may please the court and AG of the jury, on the 21st of November, of December 2020, I, a poor, harmless, not at all tubby feline, was viciously attacked by the resident hooligan that stole that stole my place in the hierarchy of the household. It is not cool that this toddler has found a handhold in my tail, nor when she grabs my fur forcefully. Babbling nonsense, she is clearly on some sort of substance with the with the human's claim is snacks. And I fear one day it will lead to patches of bare fur, even when it, even if it hasn't yet. I don't even retaliate, but this little rogue will get her comeuppance when she inevit- inevitably finds the presence in the litter box. I, <laughs> I asked the court to rule against these forced snuggles. There are no such thing. They are my being held in captivity and grant me a temporary restraining order from the defendant. I thank you for the court's time and believe you will take the defendant's testimony as unreliable. <laughs> okay. All right, here's the defendant's testimony. <laughs> Dear Honorable Judge Carrero, I write today in defense of myself from the cat's slander. She is actually enjoying the love I give her without any in return. She never runs away when I pet her. She saunters around when I have placed my hand on or around her tail and even slows down and continues to wave it in front of me when I release it. She lets me lay on her and pet her regularly. I, again, only want to give her love and affection. I may be 14 months old, but I was not born yesterday. (laughs) This cat clearly brings these lies just to reestablish her claws into the humans and regain first place in their hearts. I ask the court to dismiss these proceedings and for payment of my lawyer's fees in snacks from the cat. Thank you. P.S. The parents of these two miscreants recently found and devoured Young and Hungry. They love they love it and have gone through almost all of it already, despite watching it all in in uh, in about two weeks. Attached are the plaintiff and the defendant, Francine and Georgiana, best buds most of the time. Hope your Christmas is lovely and that New Year is splendid, Francine and Georgie. Oh my gosh! First of all, these names are amazing okay oh my i just can't these pictures are everything <sighs> okay <laughs> now on to the ruling here's the thing okay i don't know, I don't know man i'm gonna i'm gonna insert a little personal information here now we have a dog his name is moose and i love him to pieces my husband tim also loves him to pieces but he shows his love by smothering this dog with hugs and kisses all the time with no breaks the only breaks the dog gets are when i say okay that's enough you have to let the dog sleep or okay that's enough like you know you 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 can't just like pick him up every time you want to hug him like what if he doesn't want to be hugged so i totally understand the cat's need for a little bit of space and boundaries because I'm assuming that the cat is a little older than Georgiana. (laughs) However, Georgiana really can't be um, held responsible for her actions. She is, after all, 14 months old. And, you know, she doesn't really understand boundaries yet. Why would she? She's She's a baby. So I think 
that the parents maybe have to just find a good balance here. Like when Francine is feeling like, you know, when she seems to be maybe coming up to Georgie and, and seeming like friendly, like she wants to engage, like, you know, let, that, let, let the snuggles happen. But if it seems like, you know, Francine has maybe just had a little bit too much and just needs to like chill and watch some Bridgerton or something, then maybe you can just like, very kindly give Georgie like a plushy toy. I don't know. Maybe one that looks like Francine. Yeah, I think I agree with you here, Judge Amy. Um, I think the most important word you said in your ruling there is the word boundaries. And I think that this is a fantastic opportunity to teach um, to teach the toddler about yeah. boundaries. I've, I've seen this happen with, um, you know, my my goddaughter. We had to teach her what soft pets were. Yes. And, gentle, yes. and gentleness and, and things like that. And, yes. you know, I, I think you'll find that the cat will put up with a lot. Um, they mm-hmm. seem, I'm looking at the photos here and the photo evidence indicates that the <laughs> cat loves this cute. child. Yes. So, yes. um uh, I think, yeah, I just think that this is a fantastic opportunity to teach uh, to teach the toddler about soft pets and, and yeah. gentleness, you know? Yeah, and also, you know, like if you had like your, you know, 19-year-old niece, you know, come over and she hasn't really like, you know, spent a ton of time with a baby, like you would, you would kind of like know, okay, like maybe, maybe the teenager has had her fill of baby. You know what I mean? Like, I think in the same way, I don't know a lot about cats because unfortunately I'm allergic, but I'm working on it. I'm getting vaccinated or not vaccinated. Yeah, I have allergy shots every week. Um, From what I understand about them, they are, they, 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 they do kind of prize their independence a little bit more than dogs do. So I think maybe if you sort of treat Francine like she's the 19-year-old niece coming home from college and just, you know, give her a little space, I think that, that that'll be a good thing. Mm. Agreed. Well, that does it for our show today. Amy, thank you for uh, for being here and happy 2021 everyone. And oh, yeah. I just want to let you know this just came across yes. my desk and I will talk about it more on Monday morning's beans. But Vice President Pence has filed a motion asking a judge in Texas to dismiss the case brought against him by Rep Louis Gohmert and other Republicans. Um, so this is going to be a fun read and I can't wait to dig into it with y'all on Monday morning. Um, but that's it. That's it. Yay. So do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Oh man. Thank you so much for having me, AG. I just have to thank you that being on the daily beans has been such a wonderful lifeline for me, especially this year. And I'm so honored that you, you know, consider me entertaining enough and smart enough to, to share the airways with you. And I'm just so, so incredibly grateful for you and everybody that works on the Daily Beans and everybody that listens. And I cannot wait for cleanup on all 45. (laughs) Well, it's been truly an honor to have you and we'll continue to have you uh, join us in the new year because I think that your voice is incredibly important. You're so, you're so very strong and I just think it's... I, I think that and we have so many girls who listen to us like 10 to 14 year old Aww. girls who, who listen to this show because first of all they get to hear the word fuck and they get to learn the news at the same time <laughs> so that's I think why uh, but totally. it's just so important for for young women to have these these strong female voices so I, I appreciate you so much and I'm so glad you're just such a wonderful welcome addition so I'm so glad you're here Oh, I'm so glad to be here thank you so much and I and I can't wait for more absolutely and everybody oh happy new year and please until we speak again take care of yourselves take take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet i've been ag 
And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.